Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to the Haunted Estate. Share your story by calling toll-free 1-877-260-3428 and visit us at the Haunted Estate. Spooks, are you enjoying this beautiful June day? We are coming to the end of this month and going to head into, I'm guessing, a very hot July. So I had reached out to our listeners and asked if you did prefer a bit of a slower, more seductive tone or my normal bubbly self. I had a lot of male replies who let me know that they liked when I talk slow. So I am going to try and keep the podcast on um, a more relaxing tone. I do know myself that I do prefer listening to people that are, um, you know, you look at a pretty person, it's easier. What about a pretty voice? Anyways, I want to tell you guys some fantastic news. The book, The Home Reader, A Paranormal Journey um, by me is finished. It is not out for purchase yet, but I am waiting for the final chapter to come back from the editor. The art is being done, and before I know it, before you know it, hopefully it will be available for you to buy. You will be able to buy from Amazon. The book should be on Audible. Um, yeah, I'll do an audio version, talking very slow and lovely. And if you really do want, you can contact me for a signed copy. Ooh, I get to do that now because I'm an author. Well, a self-published author. Regardless, I think taking the time out, actually sitting down, being able to put together something that is your own work that's more than 100 pages is is really something to be proud of. I definitely, you know, I do want to be humble about it, but at the same time, I'm really proud of myself. It's the first time I've really um, stuck to something. Along with this podcast, it's something else that I've tried to really stick to. I just want to say a huge thank you to you guys because none of this would have happened without the people who do contribute to the show, the people who download the show from all over the world. One last thing that I want to say, you'll be able to support the podcast through buying the book, but if you don't want to buy the book, but you want to donate a couple bucks, you can visit thehauntedestate.com. Scroll down, you will see a donate button. I do pay for everything out of pocket. So I hope that you guys have some wonderful plans for this summer and that you are having a spectacular day. 
I'm feeling a little fearful. Um, tomorrow I go and get another tattoo. I am not new to tattoos. I have uh, maybe a half dozen. I know that's not a lot, but some of them are very big. Um, the one tomorrow is going to be on my lower wrist, and it's going to be covering up um, a tattoo that my mother hates. I got the symbols for spirit, earth, air, water, and fire, um, the triangular universal symbols on my wrist, but my mom, every time she sees it, seems convinced that they look just like Nazi prison camp numbers. Um, so I'm not doing it for her, it is for me. Um, what I am getting is a girl looking up at a moon. Uh, my name is Selena. It's an old family name that means Queen of Moons. Um, and the moon is representing my husband, actually. So, um, a little personal there. I thought we can, you know, we should turn back onto the paranormal aspect of the podcast. So, keep up with uh, announcements about the upcoming book on the Facebook page and thehauntedestate.com. Now, let's jump into something a little more spooky. First up, we are going to talk about something that has always intrigued me a lot, and that's disappearances. I find myself up at 3 o'clock in the morning on those Facebook pages about missing people. Um, you know, it touches in my book actually why I'm so curious. It kind of hits close to home. But regardless, back on topic, um, there's a lot of stories where people just go missing without any signs. Um, there's no evidence, like almost walking in snow and the footprints just stop type of situations or someone had been standing right in front of someone and bam, they were, they were gone just like that. Um, I found an article which talked about some disappearances. I'm only going to be talking about a couple because they are very different to me. I know there's some in here about Scientology, but the one that really intrigued me, I'm going to share with you right now. On February 9th, 2004, 21-year-old nursing student Maura Murray emailed her supervisors to let them know that she had a death in the family and needed to go out of town for a week. Her supervisors, being decent human beings and not heartless robot overlords, agreed to give her the time she needed. Apparently, she needed a lot of time because Maura left school that evening and never came back. Maura had packed her possessions in her car and was traveling through rural New Hampshire along Route 112 when she lost control and the vehicle crashed into a snowbank. A passing bus driver came across the accident and offered to call the police, but she pleaded with him not to bother, saying she'd already placed a call to AAA for assistance. The bus driver, apparently having a burning distrust for roadside assistance services, called the police anyway. But when the police arrived, they found the car abandoned and no footprints in the snow to tell them where Mora had gone. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. 
Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. As if she had been beamed aboard the Enterprise seconds after the crash, she has not been seen since. So, some stranger came along and gave her a ride, then quietly murdered her and dumped her body somewhere, right? This is why you don't hitchhike, kids. But it gets weirder. The facts leading up to Mora's disappearance more closely resemble, resemble a horror movie like It Follows than a missing person case. First of all, if there was a death in the family, it must have been a quite obscure relative because no one else in her family seemed to know about it. Then there's how her behavior became more and more erratic leading up to the disappearance. Several days earlier, the normally upbeat Mora had a complete breakdown at work and refused to explain what was about. And 48 hours before she vanished, she borrowed her father's car and crashed it into a guardrail in the middle of the night. At least one investigator believes that she drove up into the mountains the day she disappeared in order to commit suicide, but there's no conclusive evidence to support any scenario. Mora just disappeared. Oh, and as it turned out, she never did call AAA on the day she was last seen. For whatever reason, she didn't want authorities to know she had driven her cohort into a snowbank. But the creepiest detail of all came after the disappearance. Less than 24 hours after she vanished into the snow, Maura's boyfriend received a voicemail that consisted of nothing but the sound of what he believes is Maura sobbing. Yeah, if you want to pause reading here and spend an hour or so trying to piece together a better scenario that makes sense of all this, go right ahead. Next up, another one. On June 1st, 1948, 21-year-old Virginia Carpenter was on the train from Texarkana to Denton when she met and befriended a middle-aged school teacher who was enrolling in courses for the summer. The two women agreed to share a cab to the college dorm rooms because screw walking across town with 1940s luggage. But when they dropped Virginia's friend off at college, Virginia realized that she'd forgotten one of her bags at the train station. She took a cab back to the station alone, ignoring her friend's offer to accompany her. Virginia was told that her suitcase had not arrived and that a train station employee would deliver it to her in the morning. The cab took her back to her dorm, and as they pulled up, the cab saw a yellow convertible parked outside the building with two young man, men sitting in the front seats. Since Virginia seemed to know the men, the cab drove away, and that was the last anyone ever saw of her. It gets weirder. Well, that's not quite accurate. Sightings of a woman matching Virginia's description continued for days after her supposed di- disappearance. She was spotted with two men in a yellow convertible at a gas station in Aubrey, 10 miles from where she was last seen. Later in Arkansas, a bus driver's station ticket agent saw a young woman matching her description get off a bus from Texacana on June 11th. The woman asked about local hotels, hung around the station for a while, biting her lip, looking down at the doors, and generally going out of her way 
to act sus- as suspicious as possible. She met up with an unknown man and walked out of the station only moments before someone called to ask if there was a Miss Virginia Carpenter was there. The last sighting was on the side of a highway outside Chino, Texas, where she was dirty, hungry, and hitchhiking. She told the group who picked her up that her name was Virginia and that she had run away. Unfortunately, none of them knew who she was until they saw her case on the news much later. It seems Virginia was going out of her way to haunt the middle America without dying first. Wait, there's more. Three of Virginia's friends became victims of a serial killer called the Texacana Phantom. The Phantom was never caught, but the police investigation concluded that there was probably no connection between the killings and Virginia's bizarrely prolonged disappearance, which is actually weirder if true. Unless, of course... Virginia was the Texarkana Phantom, which is probably as reasonable as, a, is as reasonable of a theory at this point. Most couples are content to lounge on the beach and sip cocktails on their honeymoon, but Glenn and Bessie Hyde were not most couples. Their grand honeymoon plan was to raft the rapids of the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon, which would have made Bessie the first woman to successfully make the trip, if that's the end. On November 18, 1928, the Hydes paddled their raft away from the supply station at the Hermid Rapids and vanished into history. No trace of them was ever found. Now, it doesn't take long for a boating expert to come up with a reason that the inexperienced rafters might have disappeared. They could have been plunging head down the country's trickiest rapids and probably drowned. However, it gets weirder. Things quickly get eerie from here. The Hyde's raft was found a month later, floating upright and completely undamaged, with all its supplies still secured. It was as if the Hyde's had suddenly been raptured out of existence, or had fallen victim to the world's most methodical bear. The couple's disappearance on November 18th at River Mile 165, said Bessie's diary, which was found on the boat. It reported that they got as far as 231, much further up the river than anyone would have suspected. Unfortunately, the diary offered no insight as to who or what made Bessie and her husband abandon the boat on their water and vanish. The case got stranger in the later years, when random people started coming forward, claiming to be one of the missing hides. In one notable case, a woman claimed to be Bessie, announced that she had murdered her husband and faked her own death. Of course, not one ounce of this claim was substantial, and the woman later recanted it. But it fueled rumors that the ill-fated trip had ended with one of the most complicated murder plots ever. Because if you're going to kill your spouse, you might as well do it as a part of a missing persons case that captures national attention. Either that or both hides had concocted independent murder plans that revealed their deception at the exact same moment, like the ending in Reservoir Dogs. Next up, Dorothy Arnold was a wealthy young heiress and socialite in New York City in the early 20th century. The 24-year-old had aspirations of becoming a writer, but things hadn't been going so well in the spring of 1910. She was devastated when her first 
short story submissions were rejected. This being 1910, her family and friends immediately began to mock her ambitions because women should focus on being pretty and not worry their silly heads over such nonsense. Rejections aside, Arnold's career came to a permanent halt on December 12, 1910. She left her house that morning around 11 a.m., telling her mother that she was going to go buy a dress for her sister's upcoming debutante ball. We know that she purchased a half pound of chocolate and a book before telling a casual acquaintance that she was going for a walk in Central Park. After that, her whereabouts are a total mystery. Although we do know that wherever she went, she went there with a shitload of chocolate. It gets weirder. Dorothy was New York royalty, so the odds of being the target of random kidnapping are comparable to someone picking up Paris Hilton off the street and not recognizing her. But although Arnold would have been worth a massive ransom, no one ever demanded one. Then there's a the matter of her parents' behavior after the fact. While most parents would be flipping shit if their kid had suddenly been gobbled up by the abyss, Dorothy's parents went out of their way to act as suspicious as possible. A friend who called the house for Dorothy that night was told that she was upstairs sleeping, when in truth she had already disappeared. The family didn't even bother to report her missing until she had been gone for six weeks which is enough space to fill an entire row of your I-obviously-murdered-my-daughter bingo card. And when her family did report her disappearance, it wasn't to the police. They told their lawyer, who came over, contaminated the hell out of the Arnold's home and potential crime scene before the cops had a chance to investigate anything. So it's obvious, right? Dorothy's parents clearly jambinated her, John Benet her, and used their wealth and influence to cover up the crime. Well, maybe not. You see, as it turns out, Dorothy was leading a secret life. Days after she vanished, her family was shocked to learn that she was secretly engaged to a man named Junior, and that they had plans to elope in Europe. The NYPD stationed people to hang out around the European harbors, to see if anyone matching Dorothy's description ever stepped off a boat from New York. But no one ever turned up. Whether she was murdered or ran away to get married in Europe, the trail was covered up so well that the mystery has gone unsolved for 105 years. So unless she is a Time Lord, it's unlikely that Dorothy will be showing up to set the record straight. On December 1st, 1949, Mr. Tetford vanished from a crowded bus. Tetford was on his way home to Bennington from a trip to St. Albans, Vermont. Tetford, an ex-soldier who lived in a soldier's home in Bennington, was sitting on the bus with 14 other passengers. They all testified to seeing him there, sleeping in his seat. When the bus reached its destination, however, Tetford was gone although his belongings were still on the luggage rack, and a bus timetable lay open in his empty seat. Tedfer has never returned, or been found. 
On December 1, 1946, an 18-year-old student named Paula Weldon vanished while taking a walk. Weldon was, lock, was walking along the trail in the Glastonbury Mountain. She was seen by a middle-aged couple that was strolling about 100 yards behind her. They lost sight of her when she followed the trail around a rocky outcropping. But when they reached the, the outcropping themselves, she was nowhere to be seen. Weldon has not been seen nor heard from since. In mid-October 1950, eight-year-old Paul Jepson disappeared from a farm. Paul's mother, who earned a living as an animal caretaker, left her small son happily playing near a pigsty while she tended to the animals. A short time later, she returned to find him missing. An extensive search of the area proved fruitless. Owen Parvitt had been paralyzed by a massive stroke. In June 1763, in Shelpton, Malay, England, Parvitt sat outside his sister's home. It was often his habit on warm evenings, virtually unable to move. The 60-year-old man sat quietly in his nightshirt upon his folded greatcoat. That night he went missing from the porch and was never seen again. British diplomat Benjamin Bathurst vanished into thin air in 1809. Bathurst was returning to Hamburg with a companion after a mission to the Austrian court. Along the way, he had stopped for dinner at an inn in the town of Perelberg. Upon finishing the meal, they returned to their waiting horse-drawn coach. Coach, Bathurst's companion, watched as the diplomat stepped over the front porch to examine the horses and simply vanished without a trace. In 1975, a man named Jackson Wright was driving with his wife from New Jersey to New York City. This required them to travel through the Lincoln Tunnel. According to Wright, who was driving, once through the tunnel, he pulled the collar over to wipe the windshield of condensation. His wife, Martha, volunteered to clean off the back window so they could more readily resume their trip. When, when Wright turned around, his wife was gone. He neither heard nor saw anything unusual take place, and a subsequent investigation could find no evidence of foul play. Martha Wright had just disappeared. Three soldiers claimed to be witnesses to the bizarre disappearance of an entire battalion in 1915. They finally came forward with the strange story 50 years after the infamous Gallipoli campaign of World War I. Three members of the New Zealand Field Company said that they watched from a clear vantage point as the battalion of the Royal Norfolk Regiment marched up a hillside in Salva Bay, Turkey. The hill was shrouded in low-lying cloud that the English soldiers marched straight into without hesitation. They never came out. After the last battalion entered the cloud, it slowly lifted off the hillside to join the other clouds in the sky. When it was over, figuring that the battalion had been captured and held prisoner, the British government demanded that Turkey return them. The Turks insisted, however, that they had neither captured nor made contact with these soldiers. 
that's all I have for today's episode, guys. It's been a long day for me. Um, I took a break from the podcast. I recorded the rest of it later. Um, I'm really hoping that you guys have a fantastic day, and I will see you the day after tomorrow. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.